1: Welcome back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Great to have you. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining Mm -hmm. you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a second, but a big thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board nation in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thanks, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show, we were on the air with Todd Raphael, who is the editor-in-chief of ERE Media and an outspoken commentator on talent and employment topics. We talked about the ever-growing but little-recognized trend of working fathers. Specifically, our conversation focused on how the workplace could benefit from better recognizing the workplace needs of working fathers in support of lending their best talents at work while also juggling getting the kids to school, being present at their functions, and trying to stay connected to them while they're on the road. It was an interesting conversation that speaks to the everyday. Changing nature of our workplace. With us this week is Paige Baldessari, who is an internationally recognized traumatic stress and integrative healing consultant. She works with clients and organizations on such areas as recovering from war zones, natural disasters, sexual violence, medical or chronic illness, intense professional and corporate settings, life changing personal mm-hmm. events and also spiritual growth. She is the author of Messages from the Edge, Paigeisms for Transformational Healing. She joins us today from Oral Valley, Arizona. Paige, welcome to Working on Purpose. Oh, thank you, Elise. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that I found you, thanks to our common friends, um, Siobhan Palmer, and um, let's see, I think Joka Siobhan was the first. Yeah. Yes, Joka. yes. Yeah, and Silka Schwarzkopf, That's right. That's right. So thank you, dynamic ladies, for sending Paige my way. Um, so to get us started, I know a little something about you because you and I have had the pleasure of speaking already a little bit by phone. But for the benefit of our listeners, tell us a little bit, if you would, about your about your background and kind of what you're up to today. I know you've done various things, which makes you a very interesting human being.
0: <laughs>
2: Thanks, Louise. <laughs> so, um, geez, where do I begin?
1: I don't know.
2: So let me just start with um, career-wise. I, I um, first started out in the corporate world, working for one of the largest um, credit card corporations years ago. Um, realized that when I was climbing up the ladders in the leader ma- in the uh, leadership management training, um, and I was very young. I think I was twenty-two at the time. Twenty no, twenty-one at the time. Quite a long time ago. And I remember speaking to my mentors and saying to them, you know what? If we could figure out what was going on with our employees, I bet that things would work better in the workplace. And I remember back then them looking at me and rolling their eyes and saying, you're too idealistic paid. This has nothing to do with their work. What happens outside the workplace has nothing to do with it. Mm. And I used to think at age 21, I think it has everything to do with it, but who's going to believe me at age 21? So I only stayed with the company for a few years because I felt like I was just pushing pencils, pushing pens, and not really making a difference in the world. So I left corporate, and um, one of my degrees is in the field of education, so I went and taught school, and I taught school for 11 years, public, private, Catholic, urban, the inner city, rural, you name it, elementary, high school. Taught that for eleven and a half years until the school started to become a business as well, when the state testing came in. And I remember looking at the the children and and thinking, Wow, they have now forgotten that these little beings or adult or you know teenage beings in front of us have souls, and this is not a business. However, it turned into a business. So I went back to school, got a um, master's degree in counseling and psychology. Then after that, got a postgraduate in trauma work, and from there, um, it, it it becomes very colorful. To the sense of I've worked at um, the Pentagon, I've worked with military, I've worked with government, I've worked in the medical field, um, I worked as a director of behavioral health for an occupational medicine company, where we had contracts all over the world. Did a lot of, um, work in the Middle East and Africa. Um, also worked with, very closely with first responder populations, military, firefighter, law enforcement, um, special ops, special forces. Trained a lot with them too. And worked every, with everyone from presidents of very large, very large corporations all the way down and everybody in between. Um, with my experience and what I've seen about stress, trauma, um, whether it's directly happens in the workplace or what we bring and I what I call we unpack our suitcase when we come to the workplace place because we bring lots of things with us in the workplace.
1: Oh my gosh, that was an incredibly succinct narration of a really amazing. Um, ongoing career page and I want to really call out for our listeners because a lot of times people will ask me gosh you know aren't I you know isn't it too late in the game to change my career and I look at what you just narrated and there were so many stops along the way I see the ongoing I can see the thread through all of that somehow um, but still the ability to actually make all those changes and keep building on yourself like that I think is incredibly admirable and I think now about the work that you've gotten to do how in, how incredibly rich it, it has to have been and I can't wait to hear more about that.
2: Yeah and if I could say one point about that um so many people stay in work in in various jobs in various workforce environments being miserable um and the whole thing for me and and we'll talk about this and how this plays through the workplace especially for executives um managers um but it's but it's really about you know living and leading from the inside out So I live my life from the inside out, so I trust my knowing as far as what path am I supposed to go on next and where will it go next because each piece, as different as it may appear, is very powerful for each step that we take if we learn to live within and trust our knowing. And that's going to play out a lot in what you and I will talk about today as well in the workplace for stress and trauma.
1: Okay, well, I want to add another little small element or caveat to this. Right that maybe we can hit as we go because I, I love that I love that grounding totally. Um, I recently met with a, f- a friend that I work with years ago, um, Paige, and uh, she's a you know she's young woman. She's doing great in life. She's I think she's probably late thirties. She's married, got a couple of kids, got a, got a good career, works for a good company. And as I sat and talked with her, Paige, I looked at her and I realized that I was sitting across from somebody who's you know. The, frankly kind of like a walking dead person there wasn't any light <laughs> well, the there there was no you know what I mean there was no oh, light yes. there and oh. I thought oh my gosh how many of us and I know that I have been in that spot before too I know what that mm-hmm. feels like I've been there anyway mm-hmm. um I, I as we go through our conversation if maybe you could sort of speak to how oh, some, you, some of the work that you do addresses that I think it's everywhere out there
2: it is and if I could start with something to tag along with that, Elise, um, since we're going to be talking about, you know, stress, the workplace, trauma, you know, our personal lives and how it intertwines with the workplace, not only as um, an employee, but also as, you know, someone who, who's in leadership as well, l- let me just say a few statistics here so people realize how much is going on in the workplace, that 60% of lost work days each year are attributed to stress. That right now there's an estimated 75 to 90 percent of visits to healthcare providers are due to stress-related conditions, and that costs employers an increase in healthcare costs. And look what's going on in the world with healthcare right now. Um, there's also, you know, they're finding too, and I've seen as well that you know when employees are are under stress, they're going to make more mistakes. They're going to have trouble concentrating. They're going to become disorganized. They're going to become angry. They might stop caring about their work, even though they don't really want to stop caring about their work. And then on the flip side, what we see with leaders who are stressed is that they usually don't treat themselves or others well when they're stressed. Mm -hmm. And many busy executives and leaders begin to self-medicate with different ways, whether it's coffee, sodas, the energy drinks. Um, alcoholic drinks, prescription med, popping, and sleep aids at night. They either overeat or they don't eat or they eat the wrong things. And, of course, exercise, self-care drops off the list, and they become even more disconnected from their bodies. And I'm all about being connected to your body. And one last thing from the United Nations International Labor Organization, occupational stress has now been, devo- has now been defined as a global epidemic. Hmm.
1: Well, I was sitting there nodding my head ferociously. (laughs) Yeah, I was nodding my head ferociously as you were citing all those stats and Gosh, you know, it just uh, we do so much work with, with, at Insadium with large uh, companies across the globe. And, of course, you can walk into an organization and just feel like the, the stress of some of organizations, like it's the most overwhelming, overpowering sensation when you walk through the front doors. So I know what you mean by this. And I, I'm thrilled to have you on the show, to have you talk about this, because I think it's so important that we somehow keep talking about it and find ways to better combat this.
2: So the biggest ways to combat anything And specifically what we're talking today is, you know, in the workplace is, you know, what I said earlier is, you know, you need to live and lead from the inside out, which means you need to know your stress response by leading and living from the inside out. Um, That's so important because as human beings here, we try and get our worth, um, our health, um, our joy, whatever it might be, from things that are on the outside of us. And the woman that you spoke about, who you sat across from, and she was like one of the walking dead, very disconnected to what's going on within the body, which is connected to the heart, which is connected to the soul. And if you're not going within the physical body to find out what the story is that it holds, you're going to be like the woman that you sat across from, who is like the walking dead. Mm. Mm.
1: So, and so what you're talking about here, Paige, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you're starting to get into or if you're actually describing your grounded practice. I know for you, your integrative healing approach is really, yes. you know, how you, how, you, how you put everything together. Is that what you're talking about or is there more to it?
2: Well, that's a big, for me, that's a big component. I've been doing this work for a very long time and because I've worked in so many different areas and populations and ethnicities around different parts of the world, it's, the same theme goes right across the board and how disconnected people are with what's going on inside themselves, how afraid they are to begin to know their knowing, and how afraid they are to trust their knowing. So with the kind of work that I do, I do it, of course, one-on-one, group training, workshops, consulting, program development. So just so your listeners know, it's, it's, it's very multifaceted and it reaches so much. So I combine Eastern with Western philosophies, with medicines, with different modalities, um, various forms of healing. And you may think, well, what does this have to do with the corporate executive (laughs) working, you know, all these long hours and trying to get the company to do what he or she needs the company to do? And it has everything to do with it. Um, I talk about the suitcase. When that corporate executive, when that manager, when that employee leaves their house every day, they carry a suitcase. And I don't mean an actual physical suitcase, of course, but a suitcase <clears throat> that has been jammed full and packed by the time they become, um, uh, become an adult and are really in their career. Their suitcase starts back in the embryo. Um, Whatever happened during the pregnancy or not happening during the pregnancy, to stress growing up, to traumatic events, to um, whatever has gone on in their life that, of course, they haven't dealt with goes in the suitcase. So by the time you're an adult and you walk into a corporate setting and you become a leader, well, How can you possibly lead if you don't know what's going on on the inside and what you brought in your luggage to be able to pull out and help you with how you lead and how you run your organization? And more importantly, how do you keep your employees, you know, what we call mission operational? And it all starts inside, leading from the inside out.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I of course I'm hanging on every word, and I love this stuff. I, I'm really intrigued, <laughs> Paige. That yeah, right. Of course, you know you and I will be first. like I get you. I understand. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I really appreciate the comprehensive. Education and an informed approach you've taken to the work that you do. You know, for example, just even just uniting East and Western medicine, I think is is fantastic. I, I spent many years in Portland, Oregon, which is known for more ah, of its, yes. right, Eastern yeah. um, approaches. And it's uh, so, anyway, and then of course I live here in Dallas now and we're heavy duty Western approach. Uh, anyway, I, I just really applaud that page.
2: Thank you. And, you know, can I say something about that, especially, you know, as we talk about the workforces, I firmly believe there's a place and space for everything and there's an integration um, with everything, um, not just the, the Eastern Western philosophies, but it's all about how do we integrate into this world? How do we integrate into the company and the organizations that we work with? How do we integrate with our employees, with with, with our staff? And most importantly, how do we integrate within ourselves? So when you're looking at, you know, um, a leader or a manager or an employee from an organization, you know, so many times I can be right next to them and feel what's going on in the body because that's some of the, you know, natural gifts that I've been given coming into this lifetime. But so many times, yes, there's workplace stress, you know, which I just briefly touched on about the, this stress statistics. But what workers do not pay attention to, especially if they have a family, they have kids, they're pulled in every direction, is they create their schedule. And they create a jam-packed schedule where there's no time to getting to know themselves and what's going on in their body. For instance, I just did um, a a short documentary or film with with our friend Silka from Second Act, and it was all about the brain-gut connection. And I talk about How, you know, people think that depression, anxiety, um, lack of focus, whatever it might be, strictly comes from the brain, but there's a big component that comes from the gut. And the gut holds all of our neurotransmitters and if you're overworking if you're not dealing with the stress if you're jam packing your luggage now you're going to start to have some physical symptomatology and you're going to have some injuries and you're going to have some um type of chronic disease and then that's going to turn into major medical disease while you're still trying to work in the office and trying to you know be able to deal with your work and be able to handle manage cope and deal with your employees and that's a perfect storm for things to go right down the toilet. Hmm.
1: Well, I'm guilty as charged. Just let me just say that first. Guilty as charged. Um, I do over over schedule myself and find that I have no room. There's not even. There's not no room for a bathroom break. No room for a rest at night, etc. So I'm guilty as right. charged. Um, but the other thing that's occurring to me as you say this, Paige, is kind of when mm-hmm. I think about the work that we help with our executives. is, You right. know, we really help them understand and unpack and get. How much of that stuff that is so oftentimes uh, unconsciously un- or inaccessible to them because they haven't been looking forward to paying attention to it, it's in their mm. background, if you will. But it completely informs how they see everything that, that's occurring in the foreground, whatever it is actually they're present to. Um, and I so get what you mean by you can just, you could really, if your, your stress level is way out of control and you bring that into the workplace, just how much damage that you could actually do with that to others and to yourself.
2: Right. And more times than not, because I've seen it in all the different, um, I guess, uh, places and spaces that I've been, that the biggest part is they're not connected to themselves or to mm-hmm. what's going on inside of themselves. And, you know, when we talk about stress in the workplace, <clears throat> let's just, you know, just briefly talk about, you know, um, deadlines, um, when things have to be done. And in the world today, it's, it's doing more with less. Um, and that added stress, and then you add another stress on, on what is the climate that's going on within each organization, that's directly affected, has some effect from what's going on outside of that corporation. Meaning, you know, in society, in the world today. I mean, just today, Parliament in London was attacked. Now that's mm-hmm. happening more and more and more where we have workplace violence, potential of um, those situations happening. We have potential suicides happening in the workplace, um, domestic violence happening in the workplace. Now we have to be, be concerned about teaching our managers, our employees about, you know, what do we do for active shooter if that happens in the workplace? So if you think about it at least decades ago, that, those whole components that I just talked about, about the violence component, um, And the various traumas that come from the outside in like that, you know, that wasn't something that was even looked at, let alone on our radar decades ago. But that's a big part now that adds to the cumulative stress and what goes on in the workplace and how we need to begin training our leaders. Mm, leaders, No doubt. Our frontline. No
1: doubt. And here we are, Paige, already, believe it or not, up for our first break. It goes so fast. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I, I know. I know. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Paige Valdesari, who is an internationally recognized trauma, traumatic stress and integrative healing consultant and the author of Messages from the Edge, Pages for Transformational Healing. She consults and collaborates with corporate executives, physicians, chiropractors, and integrative holistic practitioners around the country through live stream video streams, trainings workshops teleconferences and podcasts we've been talking a bit about her background and just really just the prevalence of of stress and trauma in the workplace after the break we'll talk more about the work that she does in corporate settings as well as across the globe stay with us
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Paige Valdesari, who is an internationally recognized traumatic stress and integrative healing consultant. She works with clients and organizations on such areas as recovering from war zones, natural disasters, sexual violence, medical or chronic illness, intense professional or corporate settings, life-changing personal events, and ongoing spiritual growth. She's the author of Messages from the Edge, Pages for Transformational Healing. She joins us today from Oro Valley, Arizona. I'm your host, Elise Cortez has So just before the break page, we were talking about just some of those, what I guess we might classify as intense corporate settings that we tend to know of today as, as an, in a workplace. Before we get into some of those really, really sensitive areas like suicide in the workplace, et cetera, w- would you say a bit more about what you mean by intense corporate settings?
2: Sure. So, you know, it really is uh, intense corporate settings is in the eye of the beholder. That's what I say, because you and I could work for the same workplace and I could be decompensating and just not working well and be so stressed out and you would be fine. So, you know, that's something that leaders, managers need to pay attention to, that one environment may be very good for somebody and not well for someone else. Because, again, we don't know what they brought to the environment that's in their personal life and, you know, what they've packed in their suitcase emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it might be. So with that's a big big part. So intense corporate settings is anything from, you know, what affects each person. So deadlines, lack of promotions, um, getting promoted, um, not being valued, um, not being seen or not being heard or not speaking up because of, you know, maybe the environment doesn't allow people to do that. Um, maybe your company, your Organization is built on um, you know somebody giving money in order to finish a project, and if that doesn't happen, then there's possible layoffs that come with that as well. Is your organization stateside, or or is it international, or is it both? Because there's a whole component too on when you send people to live internationally, which I've done for work before. Mine was in the war zones, but um, you know that's a whole other component of intense corporate, you know, stress in the workplace as well. And then you put on top of that, you know, what's going on in the world today, like I talked about earlier, what just happened in London this morning in parliament. Now we have to be concerned with, does each company have emergency preparedness and response plans in place for something happens? What I find is no, because they will wait to wait until a situation occurs and then they will do something instead of getting ahead of something they get behind it. So, that's another component. There is, an unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I've had to go into companies right after there's been a suicide or a murder suicide, or a domestic violence happens, or some form of workplace violence, and you know now that sets a different kind of energy that goes on in that workplace each time somebody comes back to work that day. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: It does. So I want to get into this page. I mean, this is kind of heavy-duty stuff, and it's so important to talk about and help educate and prepare people for. So you know, I can't even imagine doing the kind of work that you do. So I, first, if we could talk about this notion of suicide in the workplace. If First, if you can help mm-hmm. us understand a little bit about the phenomenon. If you, I don't know if you have any stats on it or how prevalent it is. That would be interesting to understand. Um, and then also, if, you know, if there's any warning signs that you know of. And then i also love to know when you when something when somebody does call you in to help them with that, how do you help them? What does that work look like?
2: Okay, so I'll, I'll back it in. So... When I get called in, it's in two ways. Whether a company wants to be proactive or reactive, most of the time I get called in when it's reactive, and everybody is reeling from somebody just completed suicide right there at the workplace, and even it could also happen that somebody completes suicide outside of the workplace, but it has a definite effect within the workplace. So you know, coming in, I work with anybody who happened to be right there when the suicide occurred, So there's a form of, you know, various types of debriefings with each, you know, group of people that were connected with the person who completed suicide. Um, Then, you know, working with the leaders and the upper management as well, um, as far as, you know, how do they deal with what's gone on? First, they have to be able to process what the heck they just experienced and be able to wrap themselves around what they just experienced. And when you have something like this happen in the workplace, one never knows if your executives, leaders, your frontline managers, your employees have in their family history a background of suicide as well. So you don't know how your people are going to react if they've already had something like this happen in their personal life. So I have to really allow each group and person process what, got, what has gone on, help them with it, put it in a place where they can actually you know be able to come back to work, and then very importantly, um, give some training. Um a lot of times the training is reactive, but there are companies who allow me to come in and be proactive and give training to executives all the way down as you know what are signs and symptoms? What should you be paying attention to? Um, how can you use language and verbiage with your you know with your employees without feeling you know too offensive, too intimate, getting into too much too much of the personal stuff? And how can you promote awareness, caring, and compassion? When someone does start showing the signs, and the biggest thing that I've seen is, do you work for an organization who gives a damn to want to be proactive about it?
1: Mm. Wow.
2: It's you know, word, okay. but I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen the flip side of both, and most of the time, it's the reactive um, uh-huh. Instead of saying, "Hey, look, what's it going to take to train your managers, your executives, on verbiage to use, on signs and symptoms, on what to do?" Um, it, it, it's just so important. Whether so, it's suicide hey, or workplace violence, you know. Uh huh. So,
1: I, I would like to better understand because, again, this is just an area that I just am not at all privy to. Um, is, is are there many organizations within the United States or across the globe that are being proactive?
2: Yes, I mean, I have been called in to some who are being proactive, but they are, um, very few, very, very few. And typically what I find when these, when these types of organizations are proactive, it's because their leaders are leading from the inside out. They're, they have a really good pulse on just, I mean, turn on the news. Watch, watch what's going on in each corporation or workforce or government type of entity, whether it's a terrorist attack or suicide, whatever it might be. You know, how do you prepare for what happens? And more importantly for that, too, is when I come in, I teach trainings and workshops to all these levels on, you've got to start leading from the inside out because you have to know your own stuff first. And here's what I mean by that. I don't know if I can swear on air or not because I almost did. So, <laughs> um, when, you're looking, when you're looking at your own stuff, for instance, Let's say you do have something in your background where a family member had been killed from a a domestic violence, workplace violence, suicide, or been a part of some type of terrorist attack, whatever. And this person happens to be a manager. So when it comes to doing trainings or before the trainings, they don't want to deal with this kind of stuff because it brings up too much of their own personal emotions and they don't know what to do with it. And most of the time, they haven't dealt with it. So when I come in and give trainings and workshops, I first have to teach them how do you go within yourself and not be afraid that you think you're going to totally just break apart to compensate and not be a good leader. Because just the opposite will happen. You have to embrace whatever it is that you've been, that your body has been holding for you all these years of every event, situation, trauma, stress that it has. That makes the best leader, and that makes the best type of individual who can help another. So once I teach them how to do that, then we get into, okay, these are signs and symptoms of what to, of, you know, what to look out for. And then it's, okay, what's the strategic plan? What's the planning? What are you going to do if something happens? Do you have a plan to contact the families of your employees? Do you have a lockdown place? How, you know, where would that be? How would that happen? And so many companies look at me cross-eyed going, oh, my God, we never thought about you know, to the extent... And the depth and the breadth of what this all encompasses.
1: That is so helpful to get a little bit of a, an insight into your world and what you do and how is it, do you actually affect the work that you do, Paige? That is just, I, I better understand, I can I better see, and it, it feels less abstract to me. So thanks for that. Um sure. I want to talk next about about workplace shootings, active shooters. Mm-hmm. So we've mm-hmm. talked about the idea of suicide. Now that's somebody obviously taking their own lives. now, when now, when I think about somebody coming into the workplace and opening mm-hmm. fire on others, mm-hmm. that just seems like a whole other, a really amazing, incredibly traumatic thing to to be a part of. Can you speak to that, and have you had experience where you've gone in and helped organizations deal with that?
2: Yeah, I have. Um, actually. So what to say about that? Oh, you know, it's really sad that life has come to this. Isn't it at least that we're sitting here talking about mm-hmm. active shooters in corporations and in schools and you know, wherever it might be? Yeah, and, you know, it goes back to pre-training. Again, giving hopefully giving um, some information. If the active shooter is somebody who works for the company, which many times it is. So, again, it's it's doing, you know, pre-trainings and workshops on what to pay attention to and how to possibly, um, if you're lucky, notice signs and symptoms and do something about it. But, you know, when you have an active shooter, you really need each company needs to get in touch with their local law enforcement agencies because what they will do is they will come in and they will teach you what to do from a law enforcement standpoint in an active shooter, like what each employee, you know, should do when and if an active shooter situation does occur. And and that's really helpful to be connected to your local law enforcement to help you with that. And then, so, I've actually worked with law enforcement where we've gone in and done it together. I have brought in my piece, they bring in their piece. Um, and that's been really good and very, you know, proactive for the corporations. And then, of course, after an active shooter happens, I come in to kind of help, you know, companies pull back to, or put together the pieces again of, you know, what occurred. And, you know, how much time do you give your employees and and how do you function? How do you recreate an environment that is now completely filled with terror, trauma, and employees not wanting to come back in? And possibly your employees, you know, within a month's time having signs of post-traumatic stress disorder.
1: Wow, I see the threat of so many things there now. Okay, so now when I start thinking about what you just said there, now of course we're getting it I start thinking about, you know, the health insurance claims that must have to must come from that. Yeah. Uh, right? And oh yes. my gosh.
2: Yes. And that's why as a corporation, so many times I see they just deal with an outer layer of the onion. And there's just so many layers. But a lot of times, you know, HR or senior leadership doesn't even know Where to start? And that's like so many times that they'll call me and they don't even, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes they'll be very honest that we don't know what to do. And then I go in and we create together, you know, what does this plan look like for the company? Of all the things we talked about today, at least, it encompasses all the things that we talked about. So they can be more prepared from every angle, every angle.
1: (laughs) So when you come in to work with companies, Paige, and I'm sure it completely depends on the situation you're helping them with, but yes, are you course. working with the executives? Are you working with the, the HR group? Who, who are you working with?
2: All of the above. I have, I have different <laughs> people who call me. I mean, it's just, I mean, you nailed it. Whatever the organization or company is, sometimes it's the HR department, sometimes it's senior, you know, senior, senior executives to begin the process of how this looks, and then we bring in the HR department. I've also worked with all senior leaders sitting down creating strategic plans for the type of work, in you know, that I do. Um, and then implementing them so I can, you know, train whoever needs to be trained there so they can, you know, complete what's going on. And there's different trainings. There's trainings for, you know, senior executives. There's trainings for the frontline managers and then there's trainings for the staff. Um, because if you think about it, your perspective from from an employee who's a staff member, is going to look very different from a perspective from a CEO. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Mm-hmm. I sure would. Yeah. So what? What's now occurring to me as you talk, Paige, I can't help mm-hmm. it because it's it's my lens that I come from. Yeah, I, what go ahead. I can I can I'm sure that every every situation is different, but I I just wonder mm-hmm. if there's any underlying threads. You know, if there are certain kinds of organizations that are prone to, say, a workplace shooter. Um, And the reason I ask that question is because then I wonder about once you come in there to try to help them deal with the situation, is there not an opportunity for them to perhaps try to address the culture that they've created, that they've found themselves in, that maybe isn't serving them very
2: well? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I don't don't know statistics as far as, like, what type of an environment, you know, a specific population – creates active shooters, suicide, workplace violence, whatever it might be. What I have seen, and this is from my experience in my lens, is that I don't know so much if it's the population. It's how we create the environment within the organization and the corporation. And that's why I said earlier very strongly, do you work or are you involved or connected with an organization and senior management who gives a damn? Who Mm -hmm. says, what type of an environment and culture do we really want to have? And you and I both know, you know, working in the corporate world at so many different levels, you know, employees know, frontline managers know, executives know, does this company really give a damn at all about us, or is it just about getting their work done? When you can have a combination of both things going on where it's a balance, and I've seen it time and time again, you know, it's a very simple, you know, a very simple, um Matter of fact, idea. You care for your people <laughs> and they care for you back. Imagine that, you know, and that's how we should all be treating each other within the framework of, yes, there's work to be done. There's money that you have to make and all of that. But, you know, if you really don't create a culture of compassion, of openness, of, you know, taking down the stigma of you know, someone's not doing well emotionally, they're having problems, you know, if you shut all those walls down, you're now creating a situation for a perfect storm. Mm,
1: it's exactly what I was thinking about, and a perfect way to send us into our break here, Paige. I'm Elise okay. Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Paige Valdisari, who is an internationally recognized traumatic stress and integrative healing consultant. As a board-certified expert in traumatic stress, Paige is also a licensed professional counselor, energy medicine healer, biodynamic cranio I can't say this, craniosacral trauma, craniosacral trauma therapist, body therapist, master re- reiki teacher shamanic healer spiritual intuitive uh, kundalini yoga instructor subconscious restructure coach clairvoyant empath and body intuitive if that isn't a list of abilities i don't know what is Uh, after the break we're going to hear her about her work actually working in the war zones stay with us
0: us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Paige Valdeseri, who is an internationally recognized traumatic stress and integrative healing consultant. She consults and collaborates with corporate executives, physicians, chiropractors, and integrative holistic practitioners around the country through live video streams, trainings, (coughs) workshops, teleconferences, and podcasts. She joins us today from Oro Valley, Arizona. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So while we were on break, Page, you and I were chatting briefly about just the right. phenomenon, how important this is to talk about these kinds of workplace violence, et cetera. And you said something to the effect of it's unfortunately one of the last considerations of companies or something like that. What were you saying?
2: Yeah, because if you think about it, when you think about the corporate structure and everything that needs to be taken care of to not only have the corporate the corporate structure not only function, but function well, make money, get their product out, whatever it might be. Money's going here and there for hiring, for, for whatever it might be. These issues that we talked about today about really training leaders, executives from the, you know, leading from the inside out, doing workshops on symptomatology and things to look out for for your employees that might be starting to compensate or potential for suicide or, you know, workplace violence. It's always The last thing that's thought about after, you know, a bad incident occurs, but no one ever puts it up there first because they don't think it's important, Um, but it's always important because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with their emotions and their stress levels, not only at work, but what they bring to work as well on every level, because believe me, I've seen senior executives kill themselves in front of, um, you know, their staff, their employees, so it's not like it just happens to staff members. It's at every level of the corporation.
1: That is so incredibly chilling, Paige. This is so yeah, chilling.
2: And, yeah, and I'm sorry. One more thing, Elise, too. You know, depression, anxiety, trauma, all the things that are going on in someone's life, what I have found is typically if you're a leader, frontline manager, or a senior executive, you try and mask it and hide it the most because I I equate them to first responders. You know, first responders run in and take care of things. They're supposed to have a superman, superwoman cape on, be able to deal with it. That's the same thing that I see with senior executives. They're supposed to be able to handle all this, but they're the ones who are going home, drinking, popping pills, not taking care of themselves, and then it gets to this kind of point. So we have to alleviate the stigma all the way around from executives and CEOs all the way down in a corporation and an organization. And that has mm-hmm. to be the culture that lives within each person every day they come to work. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: certainly, as somebody who's been very focused on the experience of work for at least the last fifteen years, and and how to make it meaningful and productive, I wholly applaud that, and I want to be part of that effort. So, thank you for Great. just queuing that up. And yeah, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be pushing that effort with you somehow. So, good. Let's do it. Let's at okay. least. <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to finish the last few minutes we have together on the show, I, and I want to be able to share with our listeners the work that you did in war zones. And I don't know if you were doing this when you were working for the Pentagon. You help us understand all that, but I just can't even imagine what it would be like to work on the front line.
2: Um, so I, I didn't work in the war zones when I was working for the Pentagon. What I did in the Pentagon is I created a holistic behavior health program for all the first responders there at the Pentagon and Site-R and took care of all the people within, within the Pentagon. I also worked um, and collaborated with these um, FBI, CIA, um, the the fire, medical, um, the intelligence group on mass casual drills, which is mass casualty planning. So I worked with that component too at the Pentagon. When I was in the Middle East, I you might think this is crazy, but I worked for a large international occupational medicine company. I was the director of behavioral health and I asked to go and be deployed to Iraq because I'm a firm believer in I can't put together a holistic program of any kind if I don't know the terrain. So, and I've always lived my life when I had to work, learn to work with firefighters. I went to burn school and I went out and fought some live burn fires with them. When I worked with, you know, law enforcement, I was on suicide homicides, hostage negotiation teams with them, went shooting with them, same with the snipers, exact same thing in corporations. So whenever I put together a uh, a program, and I do a lot of program development for wellness, um, which encompasses also a lot of things we talked about today. I like to go in and see what is your culture, what's going on. I want to talk to as many people as possible, because if I just get one lens, uh, then I'm not getting the whole picture. So when I deployed to Iraq, I worked with um, all of the medical teams, uh, the first responders, the um, military, the contractors, and the local Iraqi local Iraqi nationalists as well. And I created holistic behavior health programs over there to support everybody in their daily life.
1: So what does that look like? I, I, I'm trying to, I'm sitting here in my, in my office studio, mm-hmm. trying to imagine mm-hmm. what does that actually look like? What is Paige actually doing? How does she sp- spend her time? Will you paint more of a picture of, you know, what does that look like? How do you carry that out?
2: Well, if I'm the one creating the program and, you know, training the people, that's exactly what it looks like. I go over and find out, you know, what are, what are the basic needs over here? And, you know, since we're talking about, you know, working internationally, in that type of a situation, it's a fishbowl because you are living, working, breathing, eating, sleeping, um, all under the same realm every day. Where here in the mm. States, you go to work, you come home, it's separate. It's not separate there. It's... It's a fishbowl. So it has a whole different kind of connotation of what goes on over there. and it's really resemblance of what happens in high school because you're all in the same place on this fishbowl, um, trying to find out who you get along with, what happens, and some of the things that occurred over there because you're in the Middle East and the work zones, you know it was um, depression, anxiety, being not connected with their families, you know, being um, thousands and thousands of miles away, how to handle that. Dealing with people you work with and then having to deal with them on your personal time because you're all eating and hanging out all the time. When you're in the workplace, if there's someone that you're having a challenging time with or a difficult person, you can at least come home. There's no break there. So it's it's teaching them how do you actually live within a presence of the people that you work with every day. We also had a lot of um, uh, sexual assault, sexual violence over there, um, difficulty sleeping over there, Um, There was, of course, you know, ongoing terrorist attacks, you know, missiles, bombs, whatever it might be, around the the sites of, you know, where we lived. Um, So there's a plethora of things that go on. So for me, I go around and I talk to everybody, and I experience it, and I live it there, and I get a great picture of what's needed, and then I create the program. And then when I create the program, I then train the people on how to, to understand what the program's like and how to use my holistic tools because it's, things that happen to us, stress and trauma, aren't just in the brain. The body holds the story. And what I mean by that is your body, at least from the time you were, right before you were born in the embryo, was getting some kind of stress, some kind of trauma, all the way through your life, any type of situation. And a lot of times when people don't deal with it, It's a double whammy. They're not dealing with it from a um, brain component, not talking about it, not dealing with it. So there's a loop that's going on about, you know, what their story is, how they identify with their story. And then the body takes in every single little tiny thing, every experience you've experienced, and it lodges in the musculoskeletal system, in all of your bodily fluids, in all of your organs, in your autonomic nervous system so you can talk through everything, but it's still stuck in the body. And I've created a way to get it out of the body and help people become more empowered to get back in the body and release it all and create new identities, new stories instead of holding on to traumatic and stressful situations.
1: Oh, it sounds fantastic. So fantastic. As you were talking, Paige, uh, one of the things that occurred to me as I was thinking about what it must be like to do that kind of work that you were mentioning, just all the things that you were exposed to. And I think, let me just compare and contrast. So when I do a lot of work within an organization, I might go and work with an executive team on... A breakthrough project or some kind of an oral transformation situation or a, a cultural assessment, et cetera. And very right. often when I'm standing in front of a group like that, I'm giving as much as I possibly can to that group to be able to have the best right. possible impact. And invariably, I'm getting in return some really incredible, positive, productive sort of energy given or, or fed back to me. And so it's like this reinforcing, lovely engine. And I usually walk out of those sessions high as a kite, not tired, but high as right. a kite. Right. Now, I, when I think about what you just told us about about some of the work that you do, what I want to understand is how do you handle being around all of that kind of really awful, huge, overwhelming, kind of negative stuff? And how do you stay well to be able to do the work that you do?
2: Well, when you were talking and you were telling me how you come out high as a kite, I do too, and here's why. You know, I was... My purpose has always been here, and I've known it ever since I was a little girl, um, to be able to help people in the most challenging and difficult and traumatic situations. Um, So I understand what trauma is like. I've experienced it, grew up in certain parts of it, so I get what it does to your body, to your mind, all of that. And what I have learned in my own personal life that I integrate into everything that I do is every stressful situation, every life-changing, altering event, every trauma, has a message and a gift in it if you choose to be open to the message and the gift it won't happen right away because you're processing and you might be numb and there's a lot of emotion but there's always something there that helps you grow and if it helps you grow personally then that's a domino effect that what you do for the world and for the planet so for me I actually practice what I teach, and my clients will tell you that. I have my own healing team. I make sure that I know my stuff inside and out. Meaning, um, that's right. I can't swear my stuff. You know what makes me tick? What triggers me? I'm constantly taking care of myself to make sure that I can be the best that I can be for me first. So then I can be the best and the highest. Do the highest good for every client, every organization, um, countries. Because I've worked with countries as well too. To give my best to my experience Because it's all a domino effect here in the world
1: hmm. I, I could, would have imagined that you would have said something like that But I really appreciate the, that kind of response I am, I'm thrilled and of course not surprised that you would take care of yourself I would think you would need to to do the kind of work that you do effectively
2: uh, um, There are many people out there who are in this field Who do not do the work to take care of themselves And they burn out and they're not, they're not um, working for their highest good
1: so, I believe that Um, We are at the end of the show page and I want to give you a chance to be able just to leave our listeners maybe with 30 seconds or so. Just what would you like to leave our listeners with
2: today? You know, it's very simple. Um, What I want to leave them with is, you know, life is all about living and leading and healing from the inside out. It's not about from the outside in. And when you're dealing with stress, you have to know your stress response by again, healing and living from the inside out. But every life event, every traumatic situation every stress good or positive leaves an imprint in your body your musculoskeletal your fluids your organs your autonomic nervous system so until you address and go in that and there to hear what the body has to say to you know embrace to release it will you will carry it like your suitcase throughout this whole lifetime and the good thing is is there's a simple easy way to do it Um, but there's still work involved because you have to own what's going on in your life um, and be ready to step into every piece of it.
1: Beautiful way to finish, Paige. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, for sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience, and sharing your heart. It's been wonderful to have you as a guest.
2: Oh, thank you. I love being here and I hope it's helping some of the listeners that are out there to look at things from a different lens perspective. I would be shocked and amazed if it hasn't.
1: So if you... (laughs) If you want to learn more about Miss Paige Valdeseri and the work she does as an integrative healing consultant, visit her website. I'll say it and then spell it for you. It's pagevaldeseri.com. So P-A-I-G-E-V, like Victor, A-L-D, like David, I-S-E-R-R-I.com. Join us next week when we talk with Shanthi Rajaram, who is the president and co-founder of Amazek Solutions here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We'll be talking about her vision and her adventures starting and growing the software and solutions company that she started completely from scratch and has been developing over the last decade or so. Promises to be an inspiring and an informative conversation. See you then. Remember that work is one third of our life, so let's work on purpose.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working On Purpose featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.